I'm going to get right to the word this morning because you don't really need to hear from me. You need to hear from the Lord. And uh, the title of my message today is three P's. I'm gonna, I made it kind of clever. It's called Pillows, Pillars, and Promises. And uh, I believe that the Lord wants to speak to you guys today. Even if you're in a hard place, he wants to remind you of his promises and that they are all yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And so we're going to go back to the beginning in Genesis, and we're going to go to chapter 28. If you have your Bible, if otherwise, I will read it through for us. But we're going to go back and forth pretty much uh, in, around this area of Genesis 28 this morning. It's a story while you turn there. It's a story of Jacob who is a 77-year-old bachelor. I mean, if you think you're not married yet, and it's been a long time waiting. We were in the car last night with the Lyft driver who was 40 years old, and he's never been married, and he's so lonely. I, I got out of the car at the hotel, went inside, and Kevin stayed in the car another 15 minutes with him. And uh, I'm telling you right now, if you want to evangelize people, I found Chicago to be very easy to talk to people. Take a Lyft, invest $10 a day and get in a Lyft car or an Uber car. And talk to that person and invite them to your church. And I'm telling you, it's amazing how receptive they were, weren't they? Yeah, $300 a month, just evangelism outreach. But uh, I found people to be very open and excited to talk to you. And they're open to the things of God. And they're lonely. And, and you just find out where they have a need and you go for that. And, um, but anyway, do the work of the evangelist. So we're in Genesis 28. And we find Jacob at the age of 77. And Esau, his brother, is at odds with him, and his dad needs him to get married. And so he gives him a blessing, and he says, I need you to go uh, to the house of the Lord. I'm going to clean my, can we clean my glasses real fast, babe? I'm sorry. I got my fingerprints all over them this morning. And uh, so he sends him on his way, and he says, I need you to go to your uncle's house, which is a couple hundred miles away. And uh, maybe you can meet one of your cousins or uh, some of the family there and perhaps fall in love and find a wife and get married and then return home uh, when Esau has uh, cooled down. And so Jacob, he feels um, at odds. He's kind of at a low place when he starts this journey. And uh, halfway on the journey, he's about 60 miles into the journey, is where we pick it up in, G in Genesis 28. And angels ascend uh, up and down from heaven and he has this incredible dream. So I'm going to pick it up in verse 10, okay? Uh, chapter 28, verse 10. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head on and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamt of a stairway that reached from earth to heaven, and he saw angels of God going up and down the stairway. Let's continue. At the top of the stair, I love that, above it all, stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord your God, the grandfather of Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west, the east, the north, and the south. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I will be with you. I love that. The cherry on top, the Lord says, is that I'm going to be with you. And I will protect you wherever you go. And one day I will bring you back to this land. So I, I love that because as you're leaving home, I know when I went away to college the first time, it was like, will I ever come back? Will it ever be the same again? And I love that promise. The Lord's saying, you will come back home again. And I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I promised you. I don't know about you, but I would highlight, circle, and underline that verse. 
15b and put it up on the fridge or the steering wheel, memorize it. But God is giving such a great promise here. He says, I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything that I have promised. God keeps his promises. And he says this all through the Bible. I love that. In uh, Romans 9.5, he says, what I say, I will do. Another occasion, he says, how can I lie? I'm truth. I wouldn't, God could not lie. I'm not like a man. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.24, uh, he says, I will finish in you what I've started. I will complete it. What I've called you to do, I will be faithful to finish it in you. In Job 42.2, he says, the purposes of God that means the purposes of God for my life, for your life, cannot be thwarted. I love that. The only way we can derail the will of God in our lives is for us to make a conscious decision. I'm telling you this morning that what God's got planned for this church, for you individually, for your families, and for this church as a whole, it cannot be thwarted unless you just decide we're not going to do it. Unless you just, I mean, you have to derail yourself because God is for you and he has got a purpose for you. And Joshua 23, 14, he says, the promises of God are true. Not one word from the mouth of God fails. I love that. Not one word. I remember uh, when Kevin and I were young, <clears throat> we, uh, we were just young bumpkins out of college and we went to some rather large churches in the Bible Belt area when we first got married. And people would constantly pick us out of these large crowds and give us the same exact word. And it was like, it was always like, in your latter years, you'll greatly increase. Though you be, your beginnings be small, you'll increase. Be faithful, 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 and someday you'll be fruitful. And uh, so we heard this over and over. And we heard this word literally for 25 years. Everywhere we went, people said these words over us. And we were to the point where it was like, I don't want to hear that word one more freaking time. I want to be fruitful. I don't want to be faithful anymore. I want to be fruitful. Don't you guys? I want to win. And I don't mind working hard as long as I see some fruit from it. Don't you? Aren't you that way? And uh, so you guys can be real this morning. You don't have to fake it. No, I'm happy just being faithful. I'll just be little all my life. <gasps> no, God wants to set us up to win. He wants us to win. And uh, so I got tired of hearing this. And, but now that I'm getting a little bit older, and I'm getting into the fruitful seasons of my life, and I am fruitful. God has been so good to us. I have six of the cutest. You have cute kids, but you haven't seen my six grandkids. <clears throat> I got cute kids. And we have a, a school of about 400 kids at our church, and they, oh, they're the cutest. I just sit in my office and look out the window at them. I go and I sit in the back of the chapels that they have each week and listen to them worship God because we are so blessed. We are fruitful. We're in a fruitful season. So now that I'm getting a little bit older and I'm getting into my latter years when God promised me this fruit, okay? <laughs> you there with me? We're enjoying the fruit, girlfriend. And um, so now that I'm getting there, I can look back and say, thank God he didn't give me the fruit any earlier. I would have destroyed the church of God. I would have destroyed my marriage. I would have never been able to parent my kids the way I did if I had gotten into this fruit and these responsibilities that I'm now carrying. I would have fallen to my knees under the weight of the fruit. I would have let it, I would, couldn't have carried it. I would have dropped it and it would have rotted in the ground. So thank God. And it doesn't mean you have to wait till you're as old as me. Okay. I'm a sunshine senior. Anybody want to guess how old I am? Don't you dare say over 60. Nobody, nobody, go, I'm 58, but uh, I'm 58. Um, and I feel good. I feel like I'm hitting my stride, but uh, I'm telling you right now, it's, it doesn't have to wait till you're 58 years old. I was a hard headed person. And God had to really work with me for many years until I finally started learning some of the lessons. And I'm still learning lessons from the Lord. 
And I thank him. Kevin's been patient with me. He's had to wait for me to catch up with him, I think, so many times. But God is good, and he keeps every promise. Some of the promises that God had made to you, maybe you're getting weary and waiting for them. Maybe, and in fact, I think if you at all walk with God for any amount of time, he'll begin to share with you dreams and visions and insight of what he wants to do in your future. You'll have little glimpses of homes you'll live in and, and jobs you'll have and places you'll go, little teeny glimpses and nudgings from the Holy Spirit. And guys, cherish those things, pray for those things, believe for those things. And this morning, I hope from the word of God, I'm going to be able to encourage you to know that God is going to go with you until every single one of those promises are fulfilled. He's never going to desert you. Every morning when you get up, he's new and fresh and he's ready to go and lead you out that door in the purposes that he has for you. I love when he's speaking to, to Jacob here because he's telling Jacob promises that are personal. The angels didn't speak to Jacob. God did. He said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take you into this land. I'm going to bring you back home. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give you kids. I'm going to give you a home. I'm going to give you a plan. I'm going to be with you. And I love you. I, th I thank that God. He's going to be the one who blesses me. So every promise that God has for us are true to this day, even if they're in the Old Covenant. Uh, because, it, I don't know if you know this, but in the Bible there's 7,700 and some promises. <clears throat> and Christ is, says that they're yes and amen in him. And so 2 Corinthians 1.10 says, in Christ every promise is yes and amen. And so he never leaves me, yes and Amen. God is for me. Yes and amen. I will live and not die to proclaim the works of the Lord. Yes and amen. All things work together for my good. Yes and amen. So any promise you hear spoken out of the word of God, you should just briefly in your, under your breath say, yes, amen. I receive that. That's true for me today. I remember I used to get jealous when somebody prophetic would come to town to the church or whatever and give words. And we're going to give a couple words this morning too. And I'd be like, dang, I wanted that word. That's a... They're going to be a millionaire. I want to be, the, I want that word. You know, I was like, I want that word. And I was getting words like, uh, you're on a rough road, Cindy, but you're going to make it. You know, <laughs> all these, I mean, just, I had three kids in two years. Okay. I had twins and then I had another one a year later. And so life was never easy. It was, I, I, I'm just being honest with you guys. Sometimes I just like, like, Lord, are you with us? But, boy, as you start seeing those promises come true, your faith rises up. And I'm here this morning to remind you that the goodness of God is on you. And he has set your boundaries in good and pleasant places. And he is for you, not against you. And don't despise where you're at right now. People don't. I'm gonna, this place is going to rock out this city. It's going to flip this world upside down. And you guys are going to be having to say, you know what? We can't fit any more in the service today. You're going to have to wait and come to the next service. So don't despise where you're at right now. Rejoice in the good old days, okay? These are the good old days. Enjoy your honeymoon season. But I'm telling you right now, you're two years old, and the honeymoon's coming to an end. And now the real work is about to begin. And you're going to have some growing pains. You'll have some growing pains. But as long as you fight for unity and keep your eyes set on Jesus, follow your leader as he follows the Lord, you guys are going to be doing great. 
So the promises of God, they're like anchors to our faith, aren't they? And they're wonderful things. If you take time to memorize, to meditate, to chew on, to ponder, to read the words of God, to declare the promises of God, they'll become like anchors for your soul. So when the storms of life come, you stand like a solid rock. You have dug your heels into the promise of God, and you've thrown out your anchors, and you are not moved. You are not shaken. You're like, yeah, I'm not in denial. I know it's cloudy and raining outside, and I know the ship is rocking, but Jesus is at the helm. You know it because you have these anchors of promises in your life, and they're good anchors. That's why we need to memorize some scriptures and be able to say, yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to throw that anchor out today. You know, three weeks ago, Kevin had a little bike accident. And he's kind of known for his bike accidents. And it's like, he's the cat with nine lives. So I told him, I said, I don't know how many more miracles you have coming your way. So you might want to get rid of the bike and get a stationary bicycle. But um, he uh, broke his collarbone and had a big noggin on his head, a big bump on his head. And uh, it was actually quite serious. And I'm telling you, when I'm driving him to the hospital, and he's not able to speak, his speech was slurred, and then he lost it altogether. And as I'm driving, this was three weeks ago. As I'm driving to the hospital, thank God I have an anchor. Thank God. I can't stop and pull over and open up my Bible or my Google and find a verse to hold on to. Thank God I've memorized some scriptures and I can throw them out and say Psalms 46.1. God is a present help in my time of need. And Lord, I need you to come through right now. Kevin will live. He will not die. He will proclaim the works of the Lord. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I'm calling on that. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in Kevin's body right now. I just started throwing out every anchor I could think of. And it kept me calm. And it kept me solid, stable. So by the time I got to the hospital, I'll be honest, I was afraid. This one scared me. But at the same time, I stood in faith. You can be fearful and full of faith simultaneously. We're going to see that with this guy right now in Genesis. Let's go back there again. Y'all still with me? Genesis 28, let's go to verse 16. We'll read all the way to 22 now. Finish the story up. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid. There he is. Jacob was afraid, even though the Lord was there, and it was an awesome place. And he says, What an awesome place. It is like no, none other than the house of God, the very gate to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got very early, got up very early. He took the stone that he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. He poured olive oil over it. He named the place Bethel, which means house of God. And although it was previously called loose, then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me, and protect me on this journey. See how his faith, he's struggling. He's, he's so real. He's like, if, if, okay, God, if you're going to be with me, you know, have, are you ever like that? You feel like you've got faith, but just not a lot of faith. That's where he's at right now. He's just real. He says, if indeed you're with me and you protect me on this journey, and if I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything that he gives me. I love first that Jacob wakes up. He wakes up and he recognizes God's here. And I want to tell you guys, first of all, if you don't know it yet, may you wake up this morning and know that God is in this. 
God is in what you're doing here. He's in your life. He's with you on Monday morning when you're headed to work. He is with you. You are not alone. God is, wake up and know that God is with you. It's kind of like this morning. Before Kevin and I got up at the prettiest hotel we've ever stayed at. Ivy, I'm telling you, I felt spoiled this week. We're staying at the Ivy Hotel. If you ever wanted just to have a night away, romantic, go to the Ivy Hotel. Very nice. So we're still sleeping this morning. But you know what? Church was already started here. I'm sure you guys were already setting up the chairs and getting out the worship stuff. And somebody was getting the refreshments and getting the water in the ice. And, and uh, children's ministry was already getting their crafts ready and their lessons ready. Church had already begun before we even woke up. I'm confident of that. And so we get in a car and we come here and we join in with what, with what already has begun. The Lord's that way too. He's like at any moment you can wake up and join in to what God is doing. And I would do that every morning if I were you. I would wake up every day literally and say, Lord, I'm going to join in with you. I'm going to cooperate with you today. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to talk with you. And you and I are going to be friends. I'm going to let you be my shepherd. And I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And I'm going to let you show me what's eternally important so I don't get overly busy doing things that are not necessary. And so that, I, would, I would just admonish you to do that, to wake up like Jacob did and know, surely the Lord is in this place. Now, if I had been Jacob, I would have been kind of like the disciples of the Mount of Transfiguration and said, oh, God is in this place. Let's, let's just stay here. I would have been like, even though I'm 60 miles into this 300-mile journey, God's here, so I don't want to keep moving. I don't want to keep going on this journey. And, but I love that because God challenges us and tell him, look, keep going. I'm going to be with you, and you're not going to be alone. <clears throat> I love this because <clears throat> Sorry. I'm going to pretend that this is the rock, okay, this hard rock. I would lay down on the ground, but this is kind of, this harder than I imagined. So it's okay. But you guys pretend that this is the rock. So he lays down on this rock. And I don't know if you've ever used a rock for a pillow. But, I mean, I, he probably looked around for a rounder rock and nothing too sharp with kind of a, you know, we've done some hiking up in the mountains in San Gabriel Mountains. And whenever I sit down, you look for something that has a little bit of a slope or slant so you don't sit on something too pointy or too sharp or, or anything. And so he laid down on this rock, but this is what he slept on all night long. And so many Christians, and some of you this morning, you're living in a hard place. You're sleeping on a rock, and it's, it's that hard thing in your life. You've just said, you know what, this is the way it's always going to be, and so I'm just going to rest my faith on this hard pillow. And so some of you have got annoying Pete at work who's bugging the heck out of you, and God's saying, I want to use that rock to help teach you something. I want to take that hard thing, that rock, and I want you to set it upright, and I want you to anoint it with oil, and I want you to have it become a pillar for the promises of God to rest on. I don't want you to just settle in and say, I've had a bum knee yesterday, I have a bum knee today, I'm going to have a bum knee tomorrow, I'm just going to sleep on this bum knee for the rest of my life. God doesn't want you to settle for that. He doesn't want you to have second best. You're his kids. I mean, I was telling uh, this sweet girl who's getting ready to have the, you guys are the most precious couple. Uh, but I was just telling her, I said, you know, I have to actually restrain myself from blessing my children and my grandkids. I just, I want to just bless them all the time. God's the same way. He doesn't want to, he doesn't withhold anything good from us. He's such a good and gracious, generous father to us. And so he takes care of us. He doesn't want us living on this hard rock pillow. He wants us to set it up as a pillar for his promises to come down and be rested on. And some of you this morning need to wake up and remember some of the promises that God has made to you. And if you don't have any promises from God, get in your Bible today. Because there's, there, it's chock-a-block full. It's running over with promises. And just start pinning, pinning them down and saying, I'm going to believe that. 
I'll give you one to start with. I gave you this one to you yesterday, brother, and that is, I, I meditated on it all yesterday, was Psalms 1. I'll be like a tree planted by living waters, producing fruit in every season because I meditate on the word of God. That is a promise that I want, I want to be like a tree that is planted by living waters. I mean, I just, I meditate. I chewed on that all day yesterday. And that was my anchor yesterday. And so every day we just, we set up, are you going to just settle in on that hard rock and say, this is the way it is. It's just hard. Life is just hard. Are you going to take that hard thing and set it up like a pillar, anoint it with oil, worship there and say, God, you're here. Even in this hard place, you are here. You're faithful to me. And this pillow, what was hard, and I used it as a pillow, I now set it up as a pillar because I know your promises are yes and amen. Are y'all getting anything that I'm saying? Am I making any sense? Is this California girl coming through? So the rock is that place of pain and discomfort in your life. My husband is the kidney stone champion of the world. I told him a few years ago, you have one first place, you can stop passing stones. But he passes a stone about every two or three weeks. And he's done this since he was 24 years old. And uh, it's his pain and discomfort. And, but I'm telling you, it's not his pillow. It is his pillar. Because he, even though it's a hard thing that he carries, it's a thorn in his flesh, really. But he has learned so much about the promises of God, the faithfulness of God, the grace of God through passing those stones. I have a good friend, uh, Barbara, who had cancer a few years ago, and the Lord healed her. But during about a year, she really struggled with it, went through the chemotherapy, had the mastectomy and, and everything. And she's a little bit older lady. And I was sitting in, in one of her uh, Bible study groups a few weeks ago, and we were going around sharing something that brings us joy, something that has brought us great joy in our lives, just a memory that comes to you. And as people went around, they were sharing just such happy things. We got to Barbara, and Barbara goes, oh, when I had cancer. And I'm like, Barbara. And she goes, oh, I had such joy. She goes, I pressed into God, and I got to know Jesus, I think, for the first time in my life. Thank God I had cancer. That pain, that hard place that she was in became a pillar for the promises of God. And God brought her through to a better place, to a higher place in him, to a place that was closer. She knew that God was with her, even in the most difficult time in her life. What's causing you pain and discomfort right now? Just think about it. <clears throat> Your messes are what God wants to use to produce miracles. Your burdens are where his blessings are going to come through. Your trials or where he wants to show off triumph. And so this morning, whatever it is you're facing, don't grow weary. Don't get disillusioned. Don't think God's forgotten about you. God's, and, and God has such great things for us. He's not just blowing wind in our sail and, and promising us, us things like holding a carrot in front of, uh, what are those in the races? What are they racing? Who's racing with the carrot? It's not horses, it's... The dogs, that's what it is, the rabbit. You guys know what I'm talking about? See, it takes many to preach the word of God. So they hang out this, this stuffed animal or this rabbit in front of the dogs and they race around the track. God's not like that. He's not holding something out to you that he's not going to let you achieve, that he's not going to help you achieve. He's going to give you every gift and everything you need to accomplish his good works. So 490 miles to go. 
He gets up the next day, he set up his pillar, he worships God, he anchors his faith into the promises of God that God is with me, I'm going to find a wife, I'm going to have a big family, I'm going to come back home someday, God is with me, I'm going to be blessed, everything's going to be okay, I don't have to worry about Esau killing me, I don't have to worry about never seeing my dad again, in my home again. So he travels on a couple, another hundred miles. And he gets to where he's at, and for a while, things are pretty good. At first, he meets his uncle. He receives him into his house. He sees Rachel. Woo! Right away, his heart begins to thump, and kind of like Kevin's did the first day he saw me. And it thumps, and they, uh, he falls in love with her. And, uh, but things kind of turn sour after that. And things, things are almost as rosy as we think they're going to be, right? And so life gets a little bit harder for him. And he ends up working 14 years Ends up with two wives, you know, Rachel and Leah, and a couple of maidens too. And he has a, a brood of kids, mostly boys and a, one girl. And they finally says, the Lord says to him, head home. It's time to go home. And so he leaves Laban to make a long story short. And they start home, his whole family, all of his kids, his wives, everything that he has acquired over the last 14 years. And they're headed home. And he's He's heard in the distance that the dust that's kicking up is actually Esau with a couple hundred men coming out to greet him. And he's thinking, oh my gosh, Esau's coming out to kill me. And, uh, you know, I don't even know if my dad is still alive anymore. And he is pursuing home and he's just, he needs another word from God. And I love that because God speaks to us on our journey. And he just, on the journey, he, God comes to him again. And this time, he doesn't hear God, but he sees angels. And the angels confirmed to him, God is still with me. There's those angels again. They're still working on God's behalf for me. And he stops and he says, this is God's camp. And he calls it, in fact, we'll pick it up in, in chapter 32. Let's skip over one page. Chapter 32, verse 1. He says, Jacob starts again on his way and angels of God come to meet him as he enters into his homeland. And when Jacob saw the angels, he exclaimed, this is God's camp. And so he names the place Mahanaim. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Kind of looks like an Hawaiian word to me. But I love this minute because he knows that God is still supporting him and that God is still with him. And uh, I don't know about you, but every time I step out in faith, I crave a confirmation. I crave, God, are you with me? I'm stepping out of the boat. Here I go. I'm stepping out in faith. I need to know, God, are you with me? And so God shows up, and God is with him, and he calls this place Mahanaim, which means two camps. In other words, he sees the horizontal camp of his own family, what we live in in the natural, but he also sees the supernatural camp of God. He sees God and his angels being present with him. He knows that he doesn't just live in the flesh, but he lives in a spiritual place with the Lord. His life is not just three-dimensional, it's multi-dimensional in high and heavenly places, and he's encouraged. And he's almost giddy. It's like, come on, let's get, keep going. We're headed home. Let's go see what's going to happen. So whether you see it, whether you hear it, whether you experience it, having God's presence is so comforting, isn't it? Just knowing that God is with us, it confirms, it gives me resolve to keep going in a certain direction. It's like God coming along beside you and saying, amen, you're doing good. Keep going. You know, somebody asked me the other day, what do you hear God say to you? And I said, every day I hear him say, I love you every day. And some days that's all I hear. Because God is, he just, he, ex, that's all he is, is love. He is just gushy, overwhelmingly in love with you and for you. 
And I, that brings me such comfort to keep going. I can face anything as long as I have that assurance. I can face Esau, even though I'm frightened. And that's what Jacob does. But first, he prays. And I love this, because on the journey, guys, we've got to keep praying. In fact, prayer should never cease. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I've walked with the Lord 35, maybe 40 years now. And um, I have not always been a prayer. I pray, but I'm not a prayer. There's a difference. A prayer is somebody who prays in a regular place at a regular time, and it's just they're in communication with God all the time. Now, I always have been a, a word girl. I love my Bible. I just devour it. I just, it's the anointing and the personality that I have is I love the word of God. Uh, I'm a faith girl. I'll, if you need a miracle, I will pray and believe and stand with you for a miracle. And I'm not a very fearful person at all. So that was kind of my action. But when it came to prayer, I thought, how boring. I'm just being honest with you guys. That's what I used to think. Kevin used to go to early morning prayer. I'd sleep in. And uh, I was just like, I, I'm being honest with you, okay? So I had to acquire a taste for prayer. But now that I've done it, and I've seen so many prayers answered, I can't wait to get into the privilege of my prayer closet. <laughs> because, and, so, and because of time limitations, let's face it, we're all busy, we need to learn to pray on the go. We've got to pray all the time. You've got to be aware that Jesus is with you wherever you go. And you can talk with him. Like I said before, I love that old song. We talk with him. We walk with him along life's merry way. He, he's with us. He's present with us. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by ignoring his presence. Just talk to him all day long. Don't make prayer into some 16-syllable religious exercise. It's just talking to your heavenly Father and inviting his Holy Spirit to help you and to guide you and to teach you in the ways of God. So Jacob prays, and I love this prayer. It's 32, verse 19. Are you all there with me? Verse 9, I'm sorry. 32, verse 9. Jacob prays, God of my grandfather Abraham and God of my father Isaac, oh, Lord, you told me. Now, guys, I love that because he's saying, you promised. He's reminding God, you promised me. He's declaring the truth of God. He's praying the word of God. And so he says, return to your own land. He quotes God. You told me, return to your land and your relatives, and you promised me, he says it again, I will treat you kindly. I am not worthy of the unfailing and faithfulness you've shown me, your servant. When I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I owned nothing except a walking stick and that old rock that I used as a pillow, right? But now my household is filled with two large camps. Oh, Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I am afraid that he's coming to attack me along with my wives and children. But you, third time now, but you promised. But you promised me. I will surely be kind. I will multiply your descendants until you're so numerous as the sands of the seashore and too many to count. I love that. The point of praying the promises of God, guys, is not to remind a, a God who's got dementia. Okay? God is not forgotten one thing he has said and promised you. You don't have to remind him. If anything, you're reminding your own faith. You know what? God made a promise to me, and I'm standing on that promise. It's my pillar now. I didn't just stay on that, that hard place and rest my laurels. I got up, and I walked by faith, and I obeyed what you said according to your promises. 
And so, guys, that's a, that's a good thing to do. We're not holding God accountable. We're just setting up our pillar. We're just re- saying, this has been promised to me. I'm throwing out my anchor. I'm digging in my heels. And this is, this is the fact, Jack. That's what it is. So God said it, and that settles it. I love that our kids get to be raised in, in faith. Isn't that awesome when that happens? Because I've watched my kids. They don't... They don't, they pray, they don't down anything. I'd rather have my kids, I'd rather have my grandkids prayed for me than almost anybody else because they don't question it. They haven't, they haven't gotten roughed up by the world at all. They're just like, all they know is the things of God. Papa fell on his head. He can't talk. Let's pray. And then let's go get some ice cream. That's what they, that's how they pray. I want to be like that. To the day I die and go to heaven, I want to live with childlike, simplistic faith that just as God said it, period. Now, five years before Kevin and I got married, five years, right before we got married, God gave me a vision that we would have twins, a boy and a girl. And I kind of set it aside, didn't think much of it at all and everything until I got pregnant with twins. And we got pregnant with twins, and immediately they told me, you got a tubal pregnancy. You're going to lose these babies. And I got that word out. I said, I have a promise. God, you promised me. You gave me a promise that I would have twins, a boy and a girl. Not only did you promise me, but you promised Twyla, Kevin's mother. Because 30 years prior to that, she lost a set of twins. She had two sets of twins. She lost one set of twins. And when she lost that set of twins, God gave her a word. Prophetically, it was amazing how she got it. That God would give her... She lost a set of twins, and then God said, I'll give you two sets of twins for the one you lost. And so she went on. In her elderly age, she had another set of twins. Kevin's got younger sisters that are twins. And so she waited. Where's my other set of twins? Where's my Because I lost one set. I, where's my other set? So when I got pregnant with twins, and I called Twyla up, my mother-in-law, and says, Mom, we're going to have twins. She goes, there's my set. God promised. Those are my babies. Now that I'm a grandma, I understand it. There are babies. What God has promised you, you hold on to. You fight the good fight of faith with, as it says in Timothy. And you don't give up. Amen? You don't grow weary. You just know that God is present. It's yes and amen. I think I'll end there, but I just want to ask you this morning, what are the promises that God has made you? What are the things that you're waiting for God to perform in your life? Have you kind of downsized them and says, Lord, maybe I just ate pizza the night before and dreamt a little too much, you know, or anything? Or was it really a dream from you? Was it really a word from you? And the Lord has confirmed it, but you've grown weary. It's like, don't say that promise again. You become apathetic to it. I don't know about you, but I just want to pray over you this morning that God would show off his mightiness and his faithfulness to you. That he would encourage you. Maybe he won't fulfill the big, big promises that aren't yet to come. But he'll do something in your life to show that he's still with you. Either the angels will show up and just to confirm it like they did with Jacob. Or maybe something will just turn your way. Tomorrow morning on Monday, you'll get that phone call you've been looking for. You'll get that house. You'll get that baby. You'll, get that, you'll meet that husband. You'll, who knows what it's going to be? What is the promise that you're holding on for? Have you just settled in and say, I'm going to... Just settle here in this rocky place, this hard place. Are you ready to put that pillow up and anoint it and worship God and thank God even before the promise is fulfilled? You guys thinking of things?
Are you dreaming with the Lord? I want to do that this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, right now, we just come to you and we thank you that your more sure word of prophecy, the word of God, gives us so many promises. That you've spoken to us so many wonderful things already this morning. And we just want to say yes to every one of them. We want to throw the anchor out again. We don't want to rest on our laurels and be lazy in our faith. We don't want to grow weary. We don't want to grow tired. We don't want to let fear rule or sit on their throne as we sang this morning. We want you to be on the throne. We want, we want to hear your voice from heaven. Say, yes, yes, keep going, be strong, have courage, have faith, be faithful. You will be fruitful. Lord, we thank you that you're a God that speaks the truth all the time. We can't trust anyone but you. You're always faithful. You're always truthful. Lord, I thank you that as you speak to the hearts of the people here this morning, as you fan the flames of faith to believe for bigger, to believe for winning, to believe for championship, to believe for running past the finish line, to believe for strength, to believe for fruit, to believe for healing. Lord, we thank you that you're already way ahead of us getting the job done. Lord, I pray that you would help us wake up and recognize that you're with us. No matter how hard it gets, that you're faithful. We love you so much, Lord. Thank you for doing that. Thank you that your word is taking root in our hearts right now. That we're going to be able to chew on this all week long. It's going to become life to us. We're going to see those pillows that we've just gotten used to, that we need to go perk back up again and have faith in again. Thank you, Lord. Amen.